Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my blog, where it's my pleasure and mission to highlight my creative journey to give you both takeaways as well as inspiration on your own journey, right? Uh, before I get into things, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that we get all the various episodes and lessons that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It means a lot to me. So one of the first things that I'd be remiss not to dive in uh, into is uh, Martin Luther King Day, right? Honoring and celebrating the life, the legacy that is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And you know, one of the reasons it's apropos, I put out this vlog on, on Mondays, and today is Martin Luther King Day. So, so it's very fitting, right? And, and I also think, I, well, I've talked about this um, in prior episodes that, you know, as an artist, you can't just live in your own bubble. You have to, in order for your art to really resonate, you have to also be aware of the realities of the world. And the reality is that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for something beyond himself and his legacy. He never you know, he never achieved the dream he had. You know, we, uh, all the social causes that we are still fighting or that he fought for are still being fought today. And, you know, we must honor that. Sure, like, without any disrespect, he advanced the movement significantly, but, but as, as we've seen, you know, last year and the year, even years prior of, like, the Black Lives Matter movement is still as... Um, vibrant and, and needed as ever, uh, and and we still have a ways to go before we have true social justice. I mean, I don't know about you, but certainly there are people that are posting Martin Luther King quotes uh, in a performative nature that don't really, the rest of the 364 days of the year, really act on those principles. And yeah, that is disheartening in many ways. And so what I would encourage you to do is to really think about the legacy. And when I say legacy, I mean the work that, that Dr. King did and how you can carry the baton on his behalf in your day-to-day. -day. Because I think that is what's needed. And, you know, part of... The, I, was, I was talking with my friend Courtney Stewart who is amazing in so many ways as an artist, as a thinker, as a human being. And you know, one of the things we were talking, this was, this was after the, the insurrection at the Capitol. And it, it, was, it was also in response to what my friend Ebony K. Williams, uh, who is both a lawyer and an incredible host, she was talking about that, you know, there's a lot of white people that just aren't ready to not be defined by their whiteness um, or just, you know, have in that sense, or at least if you listen to holding court with Ebony K. Williams, you know, here I'll, I'll link to it, but hear it kind of firsthand. But that was, you know, for me as a white man, that was, a, that was a big takeaway. And when I combine that with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his, I have a dream speech, you know, I, I kind of joked, but at the same time, you know, uh, like with all parody and satire, 
um, you're laughing about something that is is needed to that is very true, and the point you're making comes through the humor of what you're trying to say. And I was kind of joking how I want to be a white life coach. And of course, I'm not really being serious about it, but the whole idea is that uh, if, if you look at Martin Luther King's speech, I have a dream, the whole point is um, I have a dream that uh, my kids will not be judged based on the color of their skin, but by, but rather by the content of their character and so forth. And so we, if we flip that from a white perspective, it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I joked with her, I'm like, I would tell my clients of like, you are better than your whiteness, you know? And, and we almost, we did kind of like a, like a skit of like, okay, so, you know, what are some, what are some skills that, uh, that you have? Okay. You're great at organization. Wonderful. What are some things beyond white supremacy and insurrections that you can organize? And, you know, um, and, and in this way. But I think, again, I'm being facetious about it, but it does drive the point that there, there is, you know, not everyone, but, but a, a very vast majority of people that, that fear that, that their whiteness is no longer going to be held on a pedestal. And, and in some sense, it's almost like now they have to step up in all the other ways which are the more meaningful ways, right? Again, the content of their character. So it's like, if you don't have your whiteness, what, what are you going to be judged upon? <laughs> right? God, God forbid, uh, you know, you might have to study and work towards your in- intelligence or, or really be a kind human being, right? And, you know, again, she was laughing about it. I was laughing about it. But it really underscored a very real truth and that I want you to really consider about that, that, you know, if, if we take the I have a dream speech and really boil it down to the content of their character, then we really have to, you know, go beyond. And for the majority, I know my audience is white. So I'm going to uh, I'm speaking in that perspective that, that I'm speaking directly to you uh, that, yeah, we have to go beyond our whiteness. We are better than our whiteness. And we uh, because the other factor of it is you know black the 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 black is a culture because it refers to a very specific uh, experience in america whereas whiteness you know that's not that's not really a thing and i know it's not a thing because you know you go to europe and certainly uh you know if you weren't if you were irish or if you were you know polish like i mean just the, the, the amount of history there, um, no one defined themselves as white. They always found ways to separate themselves. And there were so many wars and genocides just because of that. Because if white supremacy really was a thing, then, then uh, those wars wouldn't have happened. So the, you, to use the argument of like, well, why, why is it that uh, black people in America, they get to say, you know, black is a culture and, and white is not a culture because white isn't a culture. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's another fallacy of it. Like if, if you're, if you're going to, you know, there's one thing to be prideful of your heritage and things like that, but white is not a heritage. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. White just means, you know, uh, you're, you're a Nazi sympathizer. And I doubt you listening um, are, are that. But nonetheless, again, I'm being hyperbolic about a lot of this stuff 
to drive home the point that these are the things we have to think about. Uh, you know, sometimes the hardest things uh, are, you know, need to be said in the most simple ways. And hopefully this is as simple as I can say it regarding this. But these are the things I think about, um, especially on a day like today of, you know, how do we propel forward? Because as another thing that my friend Ebony K. Williams likes to say, which is truthful as well, you know, it's not, she doesn't just like to say it <laughs> for her health, is that racism is a white people problem and only white people can solve it. Because um, it's not like black people created this or in that sense, right? So we've got a ways to go, and, and certainly, um, you know, the horrors of the capital insurrection were a reminder that we do still have a ways to go. But that doesn't mean I'm not optimistic. See, positivity is this word where, I, you know, at its literal sense, you ignore uh, what is. Whereas optimism kind of dictates, like, yes, you see the realities as they are, but you believe in a brighter future. And I also do... You know, on the whole, yes, uh, things have gotten better and we are certainly far better off than hundreds of years ago. But, the, you know, we also have to admit to ourselves there's work to be done. And it's not just for other people. This is work I have to do. This is work you have to do. Uh, and really for me, if this helps you in any way, I take it, I, I welcome it as a challenge because I love learning. And kind of like in the vein of Socrates, you know, uh, I don't know everything and I don't claim to know everything. In fact, uh, if I know anything, if I ever claim to know anything or, or like if I claim to know, then, then it truly means I that I don't know, right? So in that regard, I always like to, to learn and explore. And by the way, you know, some people get very put off by that notion because, oh, God forbid, it's going to, you know, introducing something new into the mix might offset what they believe. And it's like, well, if you really believe what you believe and, and, and it's true, then no matter how much other stuff you consume, it won't matter because yours is the truth, right? Of course, the truth um, in a lot of ways in terms of the truth is never subjective, but in terms of how we interpret it, I believe is is very subjective, you know, because uh, we it gets filtered through our our minds, you know, our our biases and experiences and so forth. And so we 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 should, like Socrates says, the the unexamined life is not worth living, and that's really what it is for me. So these are but a few things, um, you know. It's just barely scratching the surface of of how I look at racial inequality in America, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all that, but I figured I'd at least spend some time on it. Um, you know, I hope at this point I've shown that uh, you know, it, it's not performative. I've done many episodes even before. Um, you know, I, I, I have a long ways to go. It is a lifelong journey, it's much like learning. Uh, learning is a lifelong pursuit, and, and this, for me, is going to continue to be a lifelong pursuit. And that's, that's one of the things I want to continue to hammer home um, when I talk about these things. So, a couple of, uh, before I get into my 
creative pursuits and really what I'm up to. I just want to kind of highlight a couple of quick uh, things that are just, uh, you know, just, just quick things, completely unrelated, but, but I think worth talking about. So speaking of Ebony K. Williams, Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams is a wonderful podcast that I really encourage you to listen to. And, and when you talk about doing the work, right, <laughs> this is a quick tangent. Sorry. But when you talk about doing the work, part of it is, um, you know, immersing yourself in others' experiences and really listening to firsthand. And, you know, Ebony's show is hosted by a black woman. Her, her co-host is a black man. And so it offers me weekly an hour of a different perspective, um, you know, or looking at the world through their lens, you know. And it's not to say, like, obviously they are not representative of every person black person in America, but it certainly is a nice stepping stone. And so, um, so take that for what it's worth. And I highly recommend listening to that show. But one of the things that got, that got me to thinking, you know, uh, they have a running joke, you know, always read the terms and conditions, but it's, it's a running joke that like my joke <laughs> of, of being a white life coach is really rooted in truth. Which is always, you got to always read the terms and conditions. And especially as artists, I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people coming up that, that take someone on their word, but the contract doesn't reflect um, what was said. And however nicely it was said, however well intended, if it's not in the contract, right? The, the terms and conditions really imply a contract. If it's not on that sheet of paper that both parties sign, it's meaningless. And, you know, for me, as far as business is concerned, I'm, I'm a firm believer in really laying out all the expectations so that way no one's blindsided. You know, and, and as many contingencies as you can think of, uh, you know, think of them and how, how, and if nothing else, how disagreements will be dealt with. Um, because I think then, to me, that gives everyone a level of comfort going into the situation because, uh, they know the expectations, right? As I, as I said a little bit earlier, we really have to say the hard things very simply and define them. Because if we don't, if we just make these assumptions, then that's what gets us into trouble. So always read those, as they say, read the damn terms and conditions. Um, so thank you, Ebony, Kay Williams, and Dustin Ross for uh, always a weekly reminder of that. Because I think it is truly, truly important. Uh, for everyone, but especially artists. The other thing I was thinking about, uh, I was talking with my friend Khalil, uh, a boo-boo, who you may have seen on a few on past episodes of mine. He's a dear friend of mine, a dear collaborator, uh, one of the stars in my movie Idol. And, you know, we were talking about kind of his pursuits and his, you know, upcoming goals. And, you know, one thing that I keep coming back to is quality is not yours to determine. I've said this to other friends of mine. I've shared it on, on, you know, the episodes that I do. But I really just want to hammer that in because quality is not yours to determine. Uh, one of the things he who was sort of worried about, um, he did a series called Tell Him About where he filmed, it's kind of like um, one of those VH1 style shows of like, you know, uh, I love the 90s or something like that, where you have people against the green screen, 
they're talking about you know various topics and then it's intercut with footage of what they're talking about and it's really funny yet informative and i said you should do another season of that uh, and he said you know but it'd be hard you know whatever else i said just have people film it and at their home on a webcam whatever the case may be like it, and then just submit it to you like it doesn't have you can make it as easy as possible and he and he said well what about the quality and i said number one right now <laughs> you have Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, like all these major, major hosts, uh, you know, hosting from their damn living rooms, right? Um, so, number one, you're on par with everyone else. Number two, quality is is not a, yours to determine. I told him, like, listen, I could put our cut out our heads from a picture and put them on stick figures, and if 20 million people watch that and enjoyed it, then who am I to say that's not quality, right? So quality is subject. All you can do, is, and I, I, too too many people hide behind that idea of like that. You know, if it's not quality, I can't put it out. And I'm not saying put out garbage, right? You, at the end of the day, you should still put your best foot forward in the way that you can. But at, at the same time, you really have to believe in what you're doing. Like, put your best foot forward, believe in what you're doing, and do the best you can at that given moment. You know, like whether Robert Rodriguez, Christopher Nolan, um, I'm talking, these are movie directors, but you can think of any other artists, right? When they're starting off, you know, between like them being sort of on the novice, uh, you know, we we all get to a, a greater mastery version of ourselves the longer we progress. So, you know, that in itself ups the quality. And second, a lot of the resources that we gain later on in life uh, help enhance our quality, right? That we don't have the luxury of when we're starting off. And so, you know, Chris Nolan, he made Following, and he that was his first movie, and he made it uh, as best as he could, you know, for that point in his life. And it's a, you know, it's a wonderful movie. Sure, you know, it's not it's black and white, um, all these different things, but but it's a, it's a gem of a movie. And he put his heart and soul into it, right? So, and so you can't, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time. The, 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 the green lights of, of life will never be aligned such that, like, you could just speed right through, right? You're going to get a green light, and then you're going to get another green light. Oh, and there's a red light. Oh, okay, you might have to stop. So, like, it's just, that, that's just life, right? So stop, stop allowing this idea that uh, what you're doing is not quality to dictate you not doing anything at all. Speaking of that, you know, one of, the, one of the things that Khalil and I also kind of talked about that was a jumping off point of this is, uh, you know, and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to judge too harshly, but I do see a lot of people hide behind self-care as this way of not being there for people, especially right now. And, you know, there's never going to be an exact time where you're going to be 100% perfect. It's, it's not like you reach this point and then you're good to go for the rest of your life. Point is, like, you know, at the end of the day, I said, like, Cleo, I hope you know, like, if you really need me, and even if you call me and I tell you, like, hey, I'm at a two out of ten today, so you're probably not going to get the best out of me, but I'll give you everything that I got, you know. And that's to me, that's that's kind of what it's all about. It's it's just showing up um, when people need you, and I think you know that does tie in to creativity because. You know, we don't, the idea that we get to choose 
and come in and out whenever it's fitting for us and expect great results. That's not, that's not how life works. It's not living life. That's not being an artist. And so, you know, listen, I'm all, I, I'm all for self-care and things like that. But I think I, I, the insidious side of it, you know, there's a fine line, but, but some people venture into the insidious nature of it where like self-care gives them license to just be completely apathetic to other people's things of like, well, that's your perspective. You know, if I upset you in that way, that's your thing. And you know, I have nothing to do with that. That's just you misinterpreting me and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not, we can't, you know, we, 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 um, Simon Sinek talks about this of like, uh, we over index rugged individualism and there's no section called help others. And I I really believe that, that we really got to kind of consider that. Um, so yeah, uh, Khalil, I'm going to keep talking about Khalil because he was, a he, he, he had, him and I talk frequently and, uh, you know, this, this one particular talk that, that we just had recently just sparked so many nuggets, uh, you know, and one of the things we're talking about was, you know, he started this trap yoga music, uh, YouTube channel. For me, completely out of left field, I'm like, did I, could I, you know, nowhere on my bingo card was Khalil launching a trap yoga music channel. And I'm like, listen, do I think it's the most creative work you've ever put out? Not necessarily. But as he's, you know, told me, he's really enjoying himself. So I'm like, who am I to F and tell you to stop? You know, if, if you're having a blast with it, do you. And secondly, I said to him, like, the end of the day, you know, you don't know how this is going to come combine and in, in, into something far greater in your life. How you're going to be able to utilize the skill set uh, for for you, you know, your true calling, um, whatever that may be. Because I don't think, you know, I think I think uh, he's ex- you know he's a wonderful creative artist who expresses himself in beautiful ways, including this. But I don't think he's reached by far the peak of what he's capable of, no different than me and I imagine for you. And there's a wonderful book called Range by David Epstein that talks about this. Like we, we have this emphasis that Tiger Woods, you know, before he was even born in his mom's womb, he was playing golf type of thing. And like, that's what he was destined to do. And that's great. But, and we, we think that's the only way to really succeed at something when in fact, uh, what Range argues in plenty of examples um, in this way is that uh, that sometimes, you know, by not, you know, you might not be the best at this, you might not be the best at this, but combine those two together and you might become the best at a completely new thing. So, for example, uh, David Epstein himself was neither amazing at sports nor was he the greatest scientist, but combined he became the best sports scientist. And it's really kind of fascinating how, so, you know, it's a way of saying that everything in life, however small uh, or meaningless it might seem in that moment, actually prepares us for something greater. But the condition is if we choose to see it that way, if, you know, if you choose to be a victim, if you choose to um, not see the benefit of past experiences, then no, you will never reach that potential, I believe. Um, but if you open yourself up to it, then then good things do come. So I think about that. 
Now, one of the things I was telling uh, Khalil was there's an amazing short story. It's only like seven pages called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas, uh, written by Ursula K. Le Guin. Wonderful, wonderful writer. And uh, th this is one of my favorite short stories ever. And I'm going to kind of spoil it. If, if, if you're not interested in getting it spoiled, um, then skip ahead a couple of minutes. But I'm going to talk about kind of the metaphor of it. And even though if you've never read it and if you're cool to have it spoiled, I still would encourage you to really read it. So fair warning. Now I'm about to start. So The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas is about this city, Omelas, the city of happiness. Uh, and she writes in very eloquent poetic prose of you know the, uh, the, the, the clamor of the bells and, and the seaside and so forth like it's a beautiful city a city of happiness and she talks about like it's it's hard to imagine this city and you know in that poetic nature she tries to hammer down some very specifics of like what really embodies the city of Omelas and as she continues she gets to page five and really what it kind of comes down to is there, there's a dark secret where there's a child who is, is essentially caged and put away in, a, in like this basement type thing and barely fed and um, all this. And, and it's kind of that, that's the deep, dark secret of this utopia. And this must be that way in order to maintain society, right? And people, when they hit adolescence, they, they learn of this secret, but most, you know, they, they know it. Um, they kind of react to it, but then they accept it and go about their lives. And that's, let's say, the cost of living. But there, there are the ones that, that cannot accept this. And they are the ones who walk away from Omelas. Uh, and the last lines of the short story, to me, are so wonderfully written. You know, the, the place, this isn't verbatim, but to the effect of the place they go towards is even less unimaginable than the city of happiness. Perhaps it does not exist. Uh, but they seem to know where they are going, the ones who walk away from Omelas. Now, why would I choose to share this? Well, the reason I choose to share this is because I think th th there's a plethora of ways for one to interpret this short story, and many people have talked about it, and I think all wonderful interpretations. But number one, I think uh, I, I always kind of look at everything as self-evident of, of, you know, how does this... Because I think, you know, you can interpret it as a leaving of the ego uh, and your own limiting beliefs and so forth. But in this way, in particular, at this stage right now, I choose to kind of look at it as a metaphor for the, the, the creative journey. Now, I was joking with my friend Khalil. With my upcoming second feature, and nothing's set in stone, right? Um, it's still being revised in terms of the full script. Um, we still need to get funding. Part of how we get funding is I'm doing a three minute proof of concept. Uh, and we'll see. And this, so, you know, uh, but to many that I've taught, like even, even people that I really respect and know, they, the, 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 the place I'm heading towards, like this second feature film is even less imaginable than Omelas, right? And I mean that metaphorically. And, but that's, but I seem to know where I'm going, right? Uh, but perhaps it does not exist. 
right? So I might be going to complete failure, but, but I still continue on, right? I think that's very, I, I, I think that is a good interpretation um, of the artistic journey into the unknown. You have to venture off, you know? You don't know what's coming. All you can do is just do the best you can and so forth. And, you know, I was telling, part of the reason why I was thinking about this was because, you know, we're going to be filming the proof of concept against green screen, but that, but I need to fill out the green screen with backdrops. So I need photo references, right? Meaning the, 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 you know, the backgrounds that will be placed in on the green screen. So I rented this uh, small theater um, for that will act as the location for one of the parts in, in the proof of concept. So I go in and, you know, beforehand I mapped out, you know, I had done the storyboards and then, you know, you map out uh, the shots and camera angles and so forth. And so then, of course, that then has to translate to how I photograph the location. Now, the location itself is not exactly how I need it to be. I mean, you know, there's like, let's say, you know, a backstage area, but I want it to be looking out onto the stage. Well, they didn't have that particular version of it in terms of how I wanted it to. You know, they their backstage was literally behind the stage. I wanted it more from the side because that's how I've always interpreted it in my mind um, for a number of reasons. So in order to make that happen, you know, not only did I have to take photos of the locations in the right angles, but then I had to kind of think, okay, I'm going to layer this. So I'm going to take a picture of this wall that's going to act as the sign. Then I'm going to take a picture of the, this curtain, not the stage curtain, but this curtain um, to act as the barrier. And then I'm going to take a profile view of the stage. And I have to do that at an angle of where the character would be, you know, so all these, so combining multiple elements to create this, this shot. So, and by the way, this is just one shot of a number of shots. And so it's like, I called him, I'm like, I'm either, this is either genius or it's never going to work. Like there's no in between. Now, of course, I think it will work, you know, why else would I be doing what I'm doing? But nonetheless, yeah, you know, this is like, it's that aspect. It's, I'm, I am the one who walked away from Omelas. I seem to know where I'm going. But it is less, you know, sometimes it is less imaginable to, to others than the city of happiness. So, yeah, very, I don't know, that's kind of how I've been viewing uh, kind of things at the moment, you know. And so, so I got that. And now we're less than a week from filming this proof of concept. And it's very interesting. A lot of things kind of still happening. Um, you know, the weight of it does does hit you you know this is not like filming any other thing number one for the technique of it uh number two the reason that i i'm employing the technique that i am which is filming everyone separately against the green screen is so that way i can keep it as covid safe as possible um but in that sense yeah you know the weight of it making sure people are safe does hit you and i don't know about you but before any flight i get sort of this anxiety, you know, like a great adventure, not because I'm scared of flying, but like, like, you know, you're going off on this adventure. And it's that same thing that I kind of feel going into this. And, you know, it's not new for me. I, I, before Idol or before any sort of major project, I do 
feel that sense, you know, because it kind of takes you out of the routine of your day to day. It's like, okay, you know, there's some significance to what you're about to do. And, and I almost, I don't know, maybe there's a way to not have to feel that and still deliver. But, um, but for me, um, that just kind of always happens and, and I don't love it, but at the same time, I would question myself if that wasn't the case, because then it's like, oh, am I, do I not believe in it? Am I not excited for this? Stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's the way I've been kind of thinking about this and, um, you know, looking forward to what this weekend will bring. You know, one of the things that, uh, kind of going into it, I have essentially budgeted out my stimulus check, the, the, the $600 one to be all encompassing for this. There's a lot of visual effects that have to go into it. Um, I do want to, you know, pay everyone involved, actors, um, and then crew, not the crew that will be, you know, there won't be any crew filming it with me, but you know, sound music, um, I'm going to do the editing myself, but visual effects, graphics, things of that nature. So, um, so yeah, you know, I mean, hopefully that is a, good way for me to spend my stimulus check. Um, you know, if nothing else, hey, I'm going to be uh, giving work to my friends and also paying them for that work. So I look forward to that. Uh, anywho, that's um, that's really kind of it as far as, you know, the, creative, the big creative stuff. Um, just on a more day-to-day level, um, I've been revising some chapters of my book, uh, the nonfiction book, not the fiction book. But yeah, you know, moving, moving the ball slowly, but surely, uh, though this particular project, you know, the proof of concept, this is uh, certainly going to be top of mind uh, personally and creatively for me this week. Make sure I pull it off in the right way and keep everyone safe. So if you have any questions about any of the stuff that I talked about, by all means, please ask away, whether down in the comment section or hit me up on social media at BillSpeedTech. Likewise, share your thoughts always happy to read them, always happy to converse, as long as uh, we both agree to be respectful. And of course, if you think this episode might be a benefit to somebody, by all means, please share it with them. I certainly would appreciate it, and I appreciate you, and I'll see you next time.